Good morning, good afternoon, good evening, however, wherever, whenever you're listening. This is the Root for Wisconsin show, episode 45, coming at you from the Mean Your True Value and Riverwood Gallery Studio in De Pere, Wisconsin. I'm your host and producer, Eric Fisher. Man on the ones and twos, joining me in person this week, or my only guest this week, Ramsey Thompson. Ramsey, how you doing, buddy? What's going on? Not much. I mean, there's some stuff that happened, I guess, over the weekend, so I guess we have some stuff to talk about. There was. Otherwise, we probably wouldn't be having an episode, but it is what it is. We'll get to it throughout the episode here. You mean people don't just tune in, listen to us talk for an hour and a half every day? Just uh, some people do shoot the I mean, shit, I guess. Some people do. I mean, our our viewership has increased over the the months here. I mean, that doesn't surprise me. No, I mean we've had some pretty decent stuff. We've had above average content. We started. Nah, I don't know about above average. Aggressively average. Aggressively average. That's my my, my favorite yeah. term. I'm glad I got yeah. that. Got you on that. Aggressively average. So then that's where we shoot to be. We don't want to be too good because people have high expectations. Then you got to keep them right at right at above average. No, we want to be upfront with you guys. We're not very good. No. So if I we mean, give you aggressively average content, I think that's an overachieving for us. Depends on the week. Yeah. Okay. Depends that's fair. Week. That's fair. But I mean, and especially when we got these episodes where it's just the two of us, or just me and Justin, and especially when Justin's it's just me and Justin, he's not even here. That yeah, is weird. I, yeah, I'm sure. I mean, I'm sitting in a room talking to myself, which I mean, and then he can hear me. But I sit in our little st- our studio here in De Pere and got a, like a game of some sort on. We got the Bucks uh, Nets game on tonight for the season kickoff, which I mean, pretty cool. You know, lots of stuff going on in Milwaukee. We'll talk to that throughout that uh, more in the episode here, but. Just really interesting um, how that dynamic works out, but not to bore you guys with the details. A couple pieces of business. First, as always, we talk about our partners, one of which is monkeyknifefight.com. Monkey Knife Fight app. Go play some contests, put some money in your pocket. I mean, there's so many daily fantasy contests out there, and they're really easy. I mean, honestly, I mean, you can lose. I have lost on some, but as a whole, you can pretty much find something that's pretty easy. I mean, Let's let's review here. Um, my favorite, especially during football season, is the touchdown dance competition. Right, pick three players who are going to score either a touchdown or two. Tu- or I believe it's the minimum is one point five, two point five, and three point five touchdowns. So you basically have to score two, three, or four, and in any combination of your three players. So Ramsey, if we were talking about the Packer game this weekend, if you were to pick, say, Aaron Jones, Devontae Adams, Devontae Adams, and then like. The running back uh, Herbert. Can you pick a quarterback? I'm. I don't believe so. But if you could, I mean, that would have been Aaron Rodgers, Justin Fields, Justin Fields, and you're pretty set. You know, especially with the Packers, if you go Aaron Jones, Devonte Adams, most weeks you're getting at least one between the two. Yeah, for sure. Now this week, Devonte didn't catch one. He. Almost had one, which would have been awesome. That play that he had was incredible. Yeah, just steps out. Uh, But I believe Aaron Jones had one. I know Alan Lazard had one. So that's always like you kind of go for a wild card one in there too. Yep. Because you got to expect a little bit of a wild card. If you go with the 1.5, you're good right there. That's two. Can't complain about that. Paying your rent for the month. Pay your, well, I wouldn't necessarily put your rent as a buy in, but. I would. If you do. I mean, those are usually times three multiplier in your, your entry. So you got your rent for the next three months. And then you can buy more beer. You could. Or you could have your rent and just use the rest of your money for beer. I like the way you think. I know. So that's monkeyknifefight.com. Our other partner, 
Raise Energy, Rep Sports, repsports.com, R-E-P-P-S-P-O-R-T-S.com. Plenty of stuff coming out over there. I mean, so a couple of new products dropping out. One is the Frank and Sour flavor. I haven't gotten it, my hands on it yet. They've got their whole, you know, buy a four-pack, just pay for shipping, and they'll give you the, the product for free. So it's essentially $8 a ship. They got plenty of cool oh. gear with it. It looks like, like Ramsey said last week, kind of looks like the Gravedigger monster truck. They've got it does. green, purple, all sorts of cool colors on it. Their, their cans are literally, I mean, they they won the Stack.com, um, like Stack Magazine for fitness people. They won the best can design of energy drinks this year. Again, I think it's like their second or third straight one. Their can design's awesome, second and none. Yeah, whoever the design department is, we got to get them to work for us. And inside the can's just as good. The Frankensour, I'm assuming it's probably going to be like a sour kind of grape. Like, remember like the old Mountain Dew yep. um, Voodoo for Halloween? Oh, no. It was, was it Voodoo? Is it that was what it was called? Voodoo Black or Pitch Black. Pitch Black. Pitch Black. Oh, I could go for some Pitch Black right now. Dude, right? So, they've got that going on. Also, new product coming out this week. Uh, or in, soon, I believe. I don't, it didn't come out this week. But coming out soon, all the rage right now, protein pancakes, right? You go to any grocery store, they've got, like, what, Kodiak or something like that, like the, pro, the different protein pancake brands. F that. No, no, no. Raise pancakes. Just Dip. dipping their toes into a lifestyle that is suited for really anyone under the age of 40. Even above that, I mean, you got you got pre-workout, you've got sleep supplements for the older folks who maybe they can't get to sleep as easily as they used to be able to. Maybe they've got a bunch of responsibilities, a lot of stress weight on the mind. Get you some cinnamon cinnamon roll flavored sleep supplements. Delicious. And you go right to bed. Again, like I always say, so you can chug a raise and then take a sleep supplement. Should even out. Should even know, out. I don't know if that's FDA approved or not, but that's not our job to do that. I'm not the FDA. No. So that's our partners over at Raise Energy. Repsports.com. Go to repsports.com. Promo code ROOT4, R-O-O-T, number four. 15% off any order. Then we start off with the episode six minutes in or so here. Probably should actually talk some sports and whatnot. Why? People don't just listen for our ads and listen to us talk? They should at this point. I mean, we got gold with the ads. Pretty much. But if you are wanting some sports content here, we start off every episode with what we had rooted for over the last week. That is sponsored by Fanatics. fanatics Fanatics.com. Hashtag love on. Show your love for your team. Fanatics.com. They still got Brewers playoff gear if you want to really live the travesty that was the end of the season. Maybe you're like me and Ramsey. You're going to a Badger game soon. And you want to get geared up for that. Got that stuff there. Packers, 5-1 and one right now. Rolling through the NFC and the NFL. Get you some Packers gear. It's almost winter time. Got to gear up for the cold. Get you some Packers sweatshirts. Or some shorts. Or some shorts if you're one of those people. You got swim gear too. I mean, yep. if you're going down to Florida... You know, one of your one of our snowbird listeners going to Florida, Arizona for the winter. Get yourself some Packers summer gear. Show your love for your team, yep. and also be nice and cool. Exactly, and fresh. And I mean, we like I said earlier, we got the Bucks title reign defending starts tonight. Got Bucks gear down there. Bucks gear galore. Gear up for the new NBA season. Plus NASCAR drivers, golfers, esports, whatever. It's all there. Three hundred plus powered stores. Hashtag love on Ramsey. What'd you root for this last week? Root for a little bit of NASCAR there. And we're not to say that Packers, right? I mean, that's kind of uh, yeah. We kind of avoid our Wisconsin sports here just because we talk about it so much throughout the episode. But why don't you give us our NASCAR fix for the week? A little bit of Kyle Larson action again. 
Again, the, what is eighth win of the season? Eighth win of the season for Kyle Larson. Um, not a whole lot of con. I mean, a pretty. Sh- well, there was, and the thing about it is what happened to Denny Hamlin. Okay, let's hear about it. Who was basically a point lock-in with a decent finish. Oh, that's on, right. You're right. I forgot about this. And then to, with about, I don't know, 30 to go or so, he got spun mm-hmm. and then got pretty far behind on repairs and then got in a second incident after that. So Denny Hamlin goes from, I think he was plus like 33 going in. Mm-hmm. So plus 33 is basically 33 positions on the track plus playoff points. So almost an entire race ahead of the guy who would have been in fourth. Right. And now he's plus nine. Ooh. And th- two races to go two races to, to go. lock in that final race at Phoenix, which say what you will about it, but it is the reality of the situation right now. And like you said, another you know big win for Kyle Larson, who really didn't need the win per se to lock in, but it doesn't hurt. Kind of like I was saying in the group chat, basically at this point, Kyle Larson was pretty much a lock on points. Mm-hmm. He was basically a decent finish at Texas, or finishing the race at Texas, and finishing at Kansas, and he would unlock them. Right. So with that said, though, because of the finish, that knocks Ryan Blaney up in the second spot in the, the Final Four cut line. He's plus 12? Plus 17. He's plus 17. So Ryan Blaney looking real good right now after another solid run for him at Texas. And then the Kyle Larson win kind of locks him in, like I said, anyway. Um, he was pretty much locked in, but he's got that number one seed kind of locked up right now, too. Uh, right now, then Denny Hamlin plus nine, Kyle Busch plus eight, Chase Elliott minus eight, Brad Kozlowski, another guy who, not the best Texas run, but not as bad as Joey Logano. So it goes Kozlowski minus 15, Truex minus 22, and Joey Logano. Took I think the brunt of it took the worst of it because he wrecked out early in that race, if I'm he not mistaken. He blew an engine. Right. And catastrophic engine failure, and he's, what, minus 33 or 39? 43. 43. So he is, I mean, really all those bottom three guys, really bottom four. I mean, Chase can get in possibly if Kyle Busch has a slip up. But Chase, so how Chase has been running all season, Chase should be all point in if he had to. Mm-hmm. I would almost put money on Chase Pointer at this point, especially because I don't think anyone below him is going to win a race the rest of the year. MTJ so, is probably the closest, I, I would have to say. Correct. I don't, but he's been so far. He's been inconsistent almost all year, though. Too. Not even inconsistent. He hasn't been good the second half of the year. Right. All I think he has three wins this season that all came in the first 12 weeks of the season. Something like that, yeah. So Chase could point in, basically at this point, Joey Logano is a must win. Joey Logano won't be able to get in unless he gets a win. Martin Truex Jr. is in pretty much a must win. Four and wins for him, by the way, throughout the year. But Brad Kozlowski is also probably getting into must win category. Mm-hmm. Probably not there quite yet as of today. But Kansas will be very telling. He needs to, if Brad Kozlowski wants to advance in the final four, he will have to have a really good run at Kansas. Right. So that's, that's NASCAR action. Uh, I'm going to take a little bit, you know, with Justin not joining us here tonight, he had some final week of coaching duties this week. I don't want to steal his thunder, but because he won't be here to join it. Rams, I know you didn't have a chance to join us at this most recent, the last game of the season, the last varsity game of the season was Friday night. 
this past Friday, up in Algoma. And I was really hoping I would see more about this on Facebook, just because I know that there was a number of parents there, but uh, I didn't personally come across it, but I was lucky to be there to experience it. So for those of you unfamiliar with the football program in Gillette, there is a young man who uh, has Down syndrome, and he's been on the team. He you know, gives his all every practice. He's there every game. Works his ass off. And you know how in most of those situations, um, you know, especially in kind of blowout games like this one ended up being, uh, the coach will call timeout, say, you know, we're putting him in the game, and it'll be kind of like a, you know, just don't touch him, just so he doesn't get hurt. Right. But he gets in the game, and usually that's one hell of an experience the way it is. So on fourth and long, uh, second string Algoma Wolves uh, defense, or offense, excuse me, they're, they're in a punt situation. Justin calls timeout um, to get Cody in the game. And, you know, puts him kind of by the center, so, you know, because he can't hit the center anyway. And, you know, the other coach knew, got in the game, awesome moment. Well, what came next? The offense, it was running clock at this point. Offense had to run basically two plays. They ran the first one. Justin calls timeout with five seconds left just to get one more play. And then what happens next here, I, you probably can see where this is going, why it's so cool, why it's being mentioned. The Algoma coach sees what Justin's doing, calls timeout, tells his, his defense, we're going to let Cody score. So Cody scores a 68-yard touchdown on a handoff. It's the Jillette boys, the Algoma boys, running down the field with Cody to give him the touchdown. Um, everyone kind of picks him up, kind of like a Rudy moment in the end zone. The announcer was, and he might go all the way, you know, calling it play-by-play, basically. Just a really cool moment. Great way to end the season. I saw a lot of growth from the team, and Justin can probably touch more on that next episode uh, because they're still playing a JV game tonight. But just a cool moment, and what a, you know, hats off to Algoma for kind of having that recognition, you know. They weren't exactly, you know, they're not in a playoff spot, and they weren't in a position to, um, they took the time out they didn't need to. I mean, we, they were just going to basically kneel down just so he could get in the game. But gave a kid a touchdown um, in a long 68-yard touchdown run. Never forget it. And anybody who was in the field won't forget it. But Cody, you know, awesome moment. Uh, so that's what I rooted for this week. Oh, that meant my little shit. <laughs> well, you know, Rams, if you would have joined us on Friday instead of going to charity events. But it is what it is. <laughs> I got nothing. <laughs> All right. So that's what we had rooted for. So we go from the really, really positive down to the negative. And do you mind if I go first on this one? Oh, no, good. So I kind of have two. Uh, one is, and it's one I touched on last week. I just, I love how all this Adam Schefter stuff is just blowing up and falling apart. Um, Man, you still like Adam Schefter. I, I, at this point, I really don't. I've lost a lot of respect for the guy. Um, so, you know, that was just a disaster of a situation. Really puts this offseason perspective, if you ask me. But um, so that really kind of came to, just continues to come to fruition as we go out here. Um, the Miami Dolphins for losing this weekend. You know, Urban Meyer and those Jaguars really grinded out a win over in London. Hold on, though. Did you watch? Did you watch the game? I did not, but did you see what I did there? The, they grinded out a win. I, I saw. I was just going to ignore it because I'm kind of a closet Jacksonville Jaguar fan. No, I do too. I, I was really rooting for the Jags that game. but So I'll hit on this for one second while we're talking about... These weren't my serious ones. I just wanted to get these kind of talking points out there. So about the Jacksonville Jaguars. Yeah. Justin thinks that Mac Jones 
is the best quarterback on this draft. For some reason, yeah. That is absolutely false. Trevor Lawrence has gotten better every single week, and Trevor Lawrence played huge on Sunday. That's true, and and for what it's worth, I mean, Mac Jones did have a big game against uh, the Cowboys, which they ended up losing. But he didn't, though. We'll get to that later. We're, we were, okay, all right, we will. So, but my actual nugget of the week is Jackson Mahomes, Patrick Mahomes' little brother. Can this be mine too? You sure can. So I, I'm with you on this. This is bullshit. So Jackson Mahomes, for whatever reason, is famous for being Patrick Mahomes' little brother and being a douchebag on TikTok. Which whatever we all have, you know, Rams and I both have TikTok. We're not going to sit here and say we're too good for TikTok. No, I love TikTok. My favorite part of the app. But Jackson Mahomes. You gotta know the situation. First of all, you can't be this stupid. He is though. I know, I know, I know. <laughs> Just a friggin' moron, and and so many other situations. But this one is takes the cake um, for all of them. So the Washington football team was honoring the late great Sean Taylor this weekend. They retired the twenty one jersey. So why don't you talk about Sean Taylor for a second? Sean, though? yeah. I mean, most of our, I, I would assume most of our audience, if you you know, if you listen to sports, you know sports. Uh, Sean Taylor. Uh, was a safety for the then Washington Redskins, now the Washington football team, who came out of Miami, was on those really good early 2000s Miami teams. Right. Uh, national champion, first-round draft pick, and was on pace for one hell of an NFL career. Just an absolute stud. An animal. Just go look stuff. At- the stuff that he did, the, the way that he hit, he played clean. He didn't play dirty. Go he look at hit his uh, hard the Pro Bowl game against the punter when he takes out uh, the punter. For, I think it was from Buffalo, I and puts right. him in the third row, pretty much, just lights this punter up. Among any other of his highlights, like the dude played, the dude was a linebacker, basically playing safe, free safety. He was so far ahead of his time. Right, that's what I mean, I'm saying, and he he hit. So hard and legally, I mean, stuff that would not probably be allowed for defenseless receiver now, which is just insane. Because yeah. I mean, that was like highlight play material back then, and th- this is only you know 15 years ago. But um, unfortunately, Sean Taylor was defending his family in a what it was a home uh, break in in his home, uh, got shot in the leg and ended up passing away from his injuries. Um, I mean, that Washington football team was early actually on pace. That was coached by Joe Gibbs. They had Clinton Portis. They were really on kind of yeah. A good, good trajectory. Trajectory of what they were building out in Washington, and uh, life cut short by someone breaking. You know, a group of guys breaking into his home, trying to rob him, and not knowing he was home, shot him in the leg, and unfortunately killed him. So that was, I believe, that was two thousand six, two thousand seven. Uh, so we're almost fifteen years removed from that. But um, the Washington football team decided, to, you know, at this point, to honor his legacy. And now that the all the suspects, I believe, have been sentenced to. Uh, long prison terms um, to honor the 21 and retire the 21 jersey. And they were playing the Chiefs, so Patrick Mahomes and company out in Washington for the game and kind of a half of a nugget to the Washington field staff for even putting this posi- the, put the, the family, because it was Patrick Mahomes' family was on the sideline um, in the sideline pass area and they were kind of told to go stand in this one area where they had the 21 and, you know, Taylor and 21 on the field, on the sideline, like in a black emblem or whatever. Yep. And Jackson Mahomes decides to, that he has to do a TikTok dance on the sideline and do a TikTok video on the 21 jersey. 
like just a bad look. And bad you, look, and just to not even look down. Like you gotta have, first of all, again, like I said, half a nugget to the Washington Football Team um, field staff for even putting them in that area, right? Especially when you have your ceremony coming up. But also, like, there's just things you don't do, and that's one of them. That is, is one of the few things that is kind of very off limits. Regardless, even if you're. Even if it's not his jersey getting retired, they're just the twenty-one on the. You should. You have to know the situation better than that. Than to, uh, yeah. So, my noogie of the week was Jackson Mahomes, and and the the tomfoolery that happened out in Washington. I'm just annoyed with him in general. Oh, me too. This is this is a long stemming thing. It's, it's, uh, he does a TikTok dance every week at one of these games, and if for some reason it's big news. Yeah. Or I see it, and I'm like, why am I seeing this? Yeah, it makes you like just like hate life a little bit more in general. But this week, even more than usual, and just again, just a bad, bad idea, bad execution on all fronts, and and just really, really stupid. No, you worthy for sure. Do you have any others besides that? Or I think I might give myself a half of one. I don't think it's a full noogie because I think I've well, I'll be the judge on this. Let's hear it. I think I was almost completely wrong on Dak Prescott. Okay, and I still don't necessarily see it. Mm-hmm. I like his leadership abilities more than I like his arm talent. And I think that he's in probably one of the best offensive systems. Okay. But I he has that was a big win in New England. I mean, that's where it is. He went in there, beat Bill Belichick. Mm-hmm. And I don't know. I, I kind of gave – I'm probably the local Dak Prescott disbeliever, but – I mean, I'm pretty strong on on that other side too, but or on on your side of things, um, I would say I'm still not entirely sold on him as a. He's a very good quarterback. I'm not sure I'd say franchise changing quarterback, but he's very capable, and they're winning right now. Uh, they are not what five and one now as a team. Yep. Um, got a very chaotic win in New England. So this is kind of what I was getting at, and I think. I, I think Dak is better than Mac Jones. Well, that's not obviously. A, I think a that's milestone fair. statement, right? However, I think Dak and Mac Jones fall in the same category. Yeah, I kind think, of that middle tier. I think they win a game in the playoffs if need be. I think they're as good as whatever you put around them. Right. And uh, again, Kirk Cousins falls in that same tier. Baker and probably at this point. Baker, I'm surprised you're not ripping on Baker here. Although the injury is what he it got is. injured, so I can't rip on him too hard. Fair enough. But Baker's not a good quarterback either. At this point, Baker, in my opinion, probably has one of the best teams around him, and there's a decent chance they're below 500 on Thursday. Yeah, that'll be a very telling game this week. And then you know he's gonna pr- he's planning to play. With a separated, non-throwing shoulder, uh, which cost his team a fumble this week again. Well, and I give Baker credit though, because he, I, he says he's gonna play, and I believe him when he says that. Like, mm-hmm. he's a gamer. Like, he's a tough kid. He, he's gonna get up and he's gonna go. He's gonna show up. He'll play. Right. But, I, I, I if I'm Cleveland, I'm nervous, man. Right. And I've been saying that for a long time because. I don't think that we've even really seen a good stretch out of Baker. Baker, I, mean, I think he was better than you think last year, but this season I would agree one hundred percent. There has not been a good stretch. I mean, they have played a very good three quarters against Kansas City. 
They played it. I mean, I would say last week's game against the Chargers was pretty good. I mean, they just came on the, the side of it a little short. But if you start looking around just the AFC, so not even talking about the NFC, he's probably, what, 10th on the list of quarterbacks just in the AFC? I don't know if I put him down that far. At this point where we are right now in the AFC, I mean, that's 15 teams. Sure, and he's probably bottom... Or 16, 16. I wouldn't say he's in the bottom six of that. I would. Herbert's better. Sure. Burrow's better. Sure. Lamar Jackson's better. Sure. Then we've got... I got to think of all the AFC quarterbacks now. Would you say Carson Wentz is better than him at this point? Probably not. I think so. Really? Carson Wentz has played really well this year. I'm he not has, sure I would say Carson Wentz is better than Baker Mayfield right now, individually. He has better stats this year than he did that year he was going to win the MVP. Fair enough. Uh, the, whoever the quarterback, David Mills, I think, in, in Houston, wouldn't say he's better than him. But Deshaun Watson is. Well, sure, but Deshaun Watson also may never play football again. He'll play again. He'll play, he's going to play this year. We'll see. If Houston didn't want to. I mean, um, I think Trevor Lawrence... I'd rather have Trevor Lawrence today. I think Trevor Lawrence is a better quarterback. I that Jacksonville Jaguars team is not good. No. That offensive line is average at best. Right. So, I mean, th- those are just off the time I had now without a list in front of me. I mean, so I would say he's better than Zach Wilson. Okay. I'd probably say at this point he's better than Mac Jones. Sure. So that's three that we've agreed on, just counting David Mills um, from Texans. Trying to jump out. Let's see. Uh, I would probably take Baker over Big Ben right now at this point. That's fair. So that's four. Uh, I'm trying to jump out west or down south. See Jacksonville. uh, Ryan Fitz, or not Ryan Fitzpatrick, Ryan Tannehill, and we're kind of a toss-up. Ryan Daniels better than Baker is today. Um, Try to go out west now. Mahomes is better. Derek Carr is better. Derek Carr. Well, him and Derek Carr are probably pretty equal. Um, I would say Derek Derek Carr is having a better year, that's for sure. Derek Carr has had a better career. Um, I would say that he is better than, because we said Herbert too, whatever the situation in Denver is, Bridgewater or Locke. Sure. So, I mean, just kind of off the top of the head, I mean, that's... So he's 10th in the AFC. I would still... Somewhere between 8 and 10. I would, yeah. In the AFC. NFC, there's another probably, what, 10 Brady, quarterbacks that are better? Brady, Rodgers. Wilson, Kyler Murray. Yeah. Well, Wilson's not second playing right now, but, yeah, long term, yeah. Matt um, Ryan's better. I don't know. But at this point, I'd probably take Baker over Matt Ryan. Matt Ryan is better, though. Sure. Today, Matt Ryan's better. Right. Yeah, I mean, it's really a toss-up, so I'll, I'll give you that. Um. You got any other nuggies? I didn't know. Like I said, the Dak one's probably my big one. That was kind of my... Th- I about The that you today. on Dak. Yeah, because I, I don't... I think... I, and it's still hard for me because I don't see the arm talent. Well, the I jury, see, they have such a talented roster right now, too. And, man, that offense is good. They have... I mean, could you imagine... You could put anyone in that situation. You have CeeDee Lamb, Amari Cooper, Zeke Elliott, who's had a... Really good year. That Michael, offensive line's been killing it. Michael Gallup. When he's healthy. I mean, you put anyone with those weapons around them, they're going to succeed. Yeah. Because I could make an argument that's probably the best skill position team probably in the league. 
It's up there. It's top four or five for sure. There's not five teams that are better. I mean. The skill position-wise, yeah, I'd agree. Tampa Bay, Kansas City. I think you could argue Green Bay. Yeah, I'd probably argue Green Bay at this point. But I would say Green Bay and Dallas are close. It's not. The Rams. Woods, Cub. I think I'd rather take Dallas. CeeDee Lamb is really good. That's fair. I'll give you that. Um, But anyway, so that was my thought. And I was thinking about that today a lot. I'm like, I don't get Dak. And even me saying this, I don't get it. But I think he's better than what I, anything I've ever given him credit for. I'm going to leave the jury out until after this season and see how this season plays out. And he's doing that all, all that with Mike McCarthy. That's the other see, thing. The other thing, I'm glad you brought that up because the other thing that kills me with my, this, this, everyone talking about Mike McCarthy's back, Mike McCarthy. Mike McCarthy's not doing shit on that team right now. No, he's not playing. That's, that's, that's Kellen Moore. Moore. And the defensive coordinator is uh, the dude from Atlanta last year, Robert yeah. Quinn. Yeah. So, uh, what does Mike McCarthy do? He's not the special teams coach. He walks around, kind of checks in on everybody, and smashes watermelons, apparently. And he can't manage a clock, either. No, 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 no. And that makes me laugh all the time, because people are like, now that my, you know, he was kind of hidden up here in Green Bay. For what it's worth, people know the Packers, they pay attention to the Packers, but for some reason, it doesn't seem like a lot of people nationally watch Packer games. Yeah, it's Super. a really weird like dynamic how that works out where the Packers are always in like primetime games and like America's game of the week and whatnot. It, it's ultimately though because of how good Aaron Rodgers and like the roster were that covered up the warts of Mike McCarthy. Do you realize that since Mike McCarthy has left, Aaron Rodgers is like thirty four and seven? Yeah, I mean, and that's just basically Mike McCarthy leaving. When Mike, the Mike McCarthy's last three years, they were I think. They had two losing and, seasons in a row. They were 22 and 23. Yeah, they went 6 and 10 the year he got fired, which, I mean, he, only, he didn't coach the last, like, three games of that season or the last four or something like that. And I think they were 6, 9, and 1 in that previous season of that. Yeah. Or something like, you know, 7, 8, and 1 or something garbage. Not in good. 2018. Right, yeah, the 2017-2018 season was not great for the, uh, the Mike McCarthy coaching staff, but... As a whole. Um, and the crazy part about it is, too, the roster really hasn't changed all that much from well, when Mike McCarthy was here. Let's look at the main thing here. And the, the, the two, are two of the main factors here. Mike McCarthy refused to use Aaron Jones for whatever reason. Aaron Jones is a top six or seven running back in the league. Probably. Probably, maybe, probably higher than that. I, I, would, I would say arguably top five. But I would probably, probably have to four agree. Probably four or five number. Yeah. And that's being like, uh, you know, trying to take the home team bias out of it because he is a complete back in this NFL right now. He can catch passes. He can make guys miss. He's a home run throw every time he catches the ball. Well, you got rid of Jamal Williams and haven't noticed anything. Well, A.J. Dillon's played big minutes too, but that's... Right. That's but that kind of goes to my point, though. It's just Aaron Jones, solid running back. Devontae Adams, he did break out towards the end of the McCarthy tenure but was never really the guy that he is now. I mean, no. you look at the explosion of Devonta Adams. It's all been under LeFleur. Like he, I said before, it, watching, and Packer fans appreciate this because I don't necessarily know if he's going to be back next year, but Devonta Adams is something special. That dude, I don't, he always is open, and he doesn't seem like he's just beating people based on him being faster. Do you know no, what I mean? No, it's not a speed thing. It's, a, it's his footwork. It's his release points. 
It's his just ability to know where the ball is and and find gaps in defenses. It's incredible. And he kind of just glides too. Do you know what I mean? It doesn't look like he's mm-hmm. working hard to get open. Right. And I mean, and and you know, not knock on wood here, especially given the the depth of the Packers uh, as a whole right now. But he doesn't take a lot of hits either. No. Aside from that one in San Francisco, he gets about one or two good ones a year. But as a whole, he's almost always working sideline. Pretty much exclusively working sideline. He finds soft spots in zones, back shoulder, steps out. And, you know, he, for the most part, doesn't cut across the middle either, ever. Mm-hmm. I mean, he does, but not... It's not even a bad spot, though. He, again, no. that's that know-how to find a hole in a zone, beat your guy, and not take a hit. <coughs> so, yeah, just all around incredible on that front. So... Uh, with that, I guess we can kind of do a couple things before we kind of talk more Packers here. Um, as mentioned, the Bucks title defense starts tonight. Uh, the ring ceremony uh, game against Brooklyn right now. Here we're just in the early minutes of the third. Bucks up 73-64. I like the construction of this new roster right now. Uh, we've seen a lot of play out of Grayson Allen already. He just signed a two-year, $20 million extension off his rookie contract. So I believe that on to being he'll be here for at least three years. Uh, this year and then the next two. Uh, like what you get out of him. I know that's not a, that's kind of a controversial take in the state of Wisconsin given his history at Duke. I really like Grayson Allen. I love Allen. Grayson Allen. I love Mason Grayson Allen. But that's a guy who, when you look at what you had off the bench between guys that are no longer on the team, between Bryn Forbes and uh, Morrell or Merrill, Morrell, whatever his name mm-hmm. was, and guys who just aren't here, you're getting the points, the shooting with guys who aren't here anymore. And, like, so much better, better defense. A guy who's actually going to get you significant minutes. You've got George Hill back in the fold. You have a backup point guard again. Especially with DiVincenzo still on the uh, the mend from the injury he had in the playoffs last year. You've got Middleton and Giannis returning. Brooke Lopez returning. Bobby Portis returning. Who you didn't necessarily have to count on. Drew Holiday is back as well. Uh, just a really good construction. And then uh, Jordan Narawa, who's gotten some... Big minutes here in game one against the Nets and the Kyrie-less Nets. Um, oh, I need to start on yeah, that's, Kyrie. that, that's a whole thing. But all in all, I mean, so far, Bucks look, you know, not a whole lot of hangover. Full capacity crowd down in Milwaukee. Uh, the rings look great. Check out our Facebook page. I know I shared a few pictures of that um, on the Root for Wisconsin sh- uh, Facebook page. They're clean. Those are good-looking rings. You know, I will say we're talking about the Bucks instruction, and we, I've been kind of watching as this uh, we've been doing the pod here. I would still like to see another score added, mm-hmm. another sixteen to twenty-two point a night guy. I'm not sure if that guy is in the league right now. That's going to be available for the Bucks, right? I think to run it back, though, you're going to need someone to take a little pressure off Giannis. Because even watching this game, Giannis is taking some shots that I don't really want to see Giannis take in week one, game one. Right. And that makes me just a little bit uh, nervous, especially after doing a long playoff run last year. In a late season and coming back yep. a short, you know, short off season, basically, to get kind of back to normal. So that would be something that I wouldn't mind seeing the Bucks potentially add a... Another guy of that can light it up when he has to. Yeah, I, I would like to see another guy. Um, you know, I don't know who that is off the top of my head right now. I think as the roster is constructed right now, I think they're still one of the two top teams in the East. 
It's, I mean, right now it's it's them in Brooklyn for all intents and purposes. I mean, you've got a mess in Philadelphia right now with the Ben Simmons situation, which we even hit another we, chapter today. I am, kicked out of practice. Boston, we don't exactly know what they are. We're not really sure what Miami is yet. Not sure what Miami is going to be long term. We really don't know with what even. Um, oh goodness, Boston, Philadelphia. Atlanta's going to come back and run it back with. I mean, you've got Trey Young, so you have a capable enough player. I mean, this is a team that was in the Eastern Conference Finals against the Bucks, But as a whole, I mean, you really... Brooklyn's going to be better this year. I, I would agree with that as a whole. But like I said, it's it's one and two with them, you know, as a whole right now. I, said, I meant the Knicks. Okay. I'm sorry. About, yeah. They're, they should be better. I mean, they were a playoff, I believe, the five seed last year, if I'm not mistaken, six, something like that. Brooklyn can only win one way. That's their issue. They they have to play kind of a gritty, mean New York Brooklyn style. Brooklyn or the, the Knicks? The Knicks. I don't know why. That's twice now. Slipping. Am I turning to Justin? You might be. That's scary. We can't have two of you on the show. No. I have to make some creative decisions if that happens, but I'll give you the slide tonight. Someone's got to be wrong. I, I, I'm okay. <laughs> Um, but yeah, as a whole, I mean, East should be better as a whole, but and then really curious to see what happens with the Lakers. I mean, they're not in the East, but really curious what happens in that Lakers team. Cause I think that like the, the West still probably runs through the Lakers right now, even though they didn't defend it last year. It'd be interesting to see what happens with Golden State and what we get back from Clay Thompson, who hasn't played in a year and change. Well, he hasn't played since 2019. Right. So two, almost two seasons worth. And I think it's coming back, what, Christmas time? Thereabouts, yeah. So see what Steph's health and his ankles look like right now because that's always an issue with him. Uh, see where Draymond's at even age-wise because he's been in the league for at this point for quite a while. Well, long enough that probably on the decline a little bit. So we'll see what happens with Golden State. I don't think that they're going to be quite dynamic enough. Mm-hmm. And I don't really think they're going to have enough answers defensively for a team like the Lakers. Mm-hmm. But that'll be something that we can definitely keep an eye out for. I think Dallas is going to be better this year, um, especially after Luka's heroics in the Olympics. And oh, yeah. Just dragging a garbage team through. and That usually, that usually translates over pretty well to... Right, right, right. And then just one other note here on the NBA quick. Um... Sam Decker making the opening day roster for the Raptors. Has he had a pretty good preseason? Um, one of our other kind of stories we've been following along with was Green Bay graduate and Green Bay standout, UW Green Bay standout, um, Keeper Sykes, who ended up getting waived from the kind of the practice squad, if you will, of the Pacers, uh, but is believed, nothing official as of right now, but. Uh, believe that he will be brought back on one of those section or rule ten deals or whatever in the yeah. NBA, where he'll be a, kind of a two way guy. Um, and if he chooses to, because I know a lot of guys and himself included, he's had D or G League offers, but has usually opted to go overseas. A lot of guys actually take that route. So really interesting to see if the if he stays stateside here or decides to go back overseas um, this off or this season and see where that plays out. But, yeah, so Kiefer Sykes uh, did fall short of the Pacers roster, but is a guy who the Pacers organization really likes right now. He's been really kind of riding high from the, the basketball tournament, the TBT tournament this summer, um, and really found a potential home in Indiana um, just kind of throughout here 
and really was well-liked in that organization. So good things from him on that front. Who would have thought that uh, Tyler Hero was the best Wisconsin player? I wouldn't say he is, but screw Tyler Hero. What a douche. For real, though. Um, so, yeah, that's our kind of our NBA early season role. Uh, since there's no Brewers baseball, I kind of was going to title the segment, as the season goes on, What the Buck. Oh, nice. Right? We had What's Brewing, now we got What the Buck. Um, so that is What the Buck and kind of look around the NBA as we kind of get started here. Really not much to preview that, you know, we're going to go in depth on, but... The NBA is kind of the same issue that happens in Major League Baseball where the season is so long that really no one pays attention for another Christmas, what, eight weeks? It is officially, I have a calendar at work. Cause of course you do. I, I started a countdown and I got bored at work one day and I put it on my little daily calendar because I had a different countdown on there before. Of course you did. Uh, I believe it's 67 days now. You're basically just an elf. Kind of. I'm you just love Christmas. Dude, Christmas is the best. And that's a different episode. But, um, but yeah, I mean, so just over 10 weeks away, so nine, nine and a half weeks away from that. So we got about 30 games in the league to see where everyone's at. The season, I, and I, I've said this before, I don't understand why the NBA doesn't start Christmas Day. And they shorten the season up to that point? No, I think it was great what they did last year. Yeah. Start Christmas Day and I wouldn't say they ended what, July? Yeah, mid to late July, yeah. But I would say Christmas Day to July 4th. Well, even that last week of June, because that's, you know, kind of traditionally was always the kind of either last week of June or, you know, middle of June was always kind of where they ended, was a kind of a great end point. I always liked that. Um, because then you have the draft at around where I ended up being around my birthday on the 25th, 26th area. Then free agency always started like on the 4th or 3rd. And they move, move free agency, move the draft back, have the last week of the season be the last week of June, right? Something like that, yeah. That's what I think the NBA should do. And if you're listening to the NBA, you should do that because no offense to baseball, but baseball in June, no one overly cares about too much. Watch them off. Tell me I'm wrong, though. As a whole, nationally speaking, I would agree. So you have the entire sports universe paying attention to your sport? The only thing I would disagree with on on that idea in is because I think they do. And when you say last week of the season, you want to be, like, done. Like, the finals ends in I want the finals to be wrapped up by the 4th of July. Okay. I would agree because that's not too far off where we are now. But I really like – because really, if you really look at – sports as a whole, the college basketball season ending and the draft happening is really kind of the longest window of rookie potential, you know, new rookies kind of not starting until kind of a four or five month window. But if you just think about it from a viewership standpoint, right now the NBA is have to compete with the NFL, college football, baseball playoffs, which just got into okay. the depth. The Dodgers just tied the Braves up 5-5 five to five in Game 3. The Braves have a 2-0 lead on the Dodgers right now. Uh, the Boston Red Sox have a 2-1 lead on the Astros right now in the ALCS. So really, I mean, you're getting some good baseball right now. I mean, I kind of, I don't really have a rooting interest in 
in the National League right now because I don't want to see the Dodgers win, but I also don't want to see the Braves win because they beat us. Um, but you've got baseball hot, baseball playoffs. NASCAR playoffs. NASCAR playoffs. You've the got NFL. the NFL, which is going to outdraw you on any given weekend. Any given day. College football. Yeah, That's going to outdraw day. you. Um, Dodgers just took the lead, bottom of the eighth. That's awesome. NASCAR. That season. Hockey season just starting up, which that season goes on, it seems like, forever, but too. But if you push it back 10 weeks, all you have to do is compete with college basketball. Who The NBA does have a better product today than college basketball does. As a whole, I, well, uh, for TV purposes, I will agree. Right. And then you have to deal, so you have to deal with March Madness mm-hmm. and opening day of baseball. Yeah. And the Super Bowl. But by the, again, people aren't really going to start paying attention to you guys until well, 20 weeks honest, in. People don't really start paying attention. They have Christmas Day for all the marquee matchups, and you get an occasional marquee matchup on any given, you know, Lakers, Warriors is the kickoff game tonight for the Western Conference. But I mean, they play enough throughout the year where you know you might have a matchup, say November twenty fifth. I just put, pulled that day. I think that's actually Thanksgiving Day, but let's let's say November thirtieth. You might have like a a Golden State Lakers game, right, on a random Thursday or Friday, or whatever. But really, aside from maybe one game a week where people kind of tune into Sports Center to see the highlights afterwards, or if they come across it flipping through channels, right. they'll turn it on and keep it on for a little while. But really. Until February, no one cares about the NBA regular season. Sure. Outside of Christmas Day. And Martin Luther King Jr. Day because every team plays and there's games all day. Again, shouldn't we, wouldn't that make more sense to start Christmas Day? I and then with that. you move everything back and you have all eyes on you for the majority of your season. And shorten the season up a little bit too. Sure. And Cut, go from 82 to 68. Something like that, yeah. I'd be okay with that. So that's kind of Eric and Ramsey's potential fix to the NBA. So that's what the Bucks going on. Um, we don't have a real good Badger report. Justin's not here. And quite frankly, I didn't watch any of the game. All I know is the Badgers did not cover against Army. It was a 14-point spread. They win by six. It did not look overly impressive. Did you see Graham point. Mertz had like 118 yards? I did, and I, I didn't look at any part the of that. The quarterback from Army almost has many completions. I think he had five. Graham Mertz had six. Oh, my God. That, yikes. That's all I can say about that, yikes. Uh, Badgers this week will, I believe they have Rutgers, if I'm not mistaken. Let me look that up. Uh, they have Purdue this week at, in Purdue. against twenty five twenty ranked team. Purdue. So traditionally, as we talked about last week, that could be a slip-up spot for the Badgers. Somehow the Badgers are a three-point favorite in that game. How, how is anyone favorite? They can't score points. Their quarterback is utter trash. They can't run the ball. Their offensive line is garbage. Their skill positions are garbage. How can the Badgers possibly be favored in any game? On the road at a ranked opponent. That That is weird. I, I would love to see them win. I don't want to count them out. This would be a big win, especially with the Iowa game coming up next weekend that we'll be at. But I just, I don't get it. I really don't get it. Here, Graham Mertz on the air, 80 of 114 throwing, so that's roughly less than 65%, I think, of what it comes out to. He's 101st in the nation in yards, has 893 yards, two touchdowns, seven interceptions, and a QBR, and that's the ESPN ranking, so it's out of 100, of 32.7. Utter 
trash. Completion percentage of 55.6%. It's ridiculous. Can you imagine that? how excited we were for that dude? I don't even know if it's his fault, per se. To be I don't think it is, but he's not helping his situation either. No. No, that's a... That's, yeah. In the Army game, he was 8 of 15 for 112 yards. And the Army quarterback was 5 of 6 for, like, 84? Something like that, yeah. So that's that's really, I mean, that's the extent of our Badger. Yeah, 5 of 6 for 87. That's pretty good. I'll give you that. I saw that stat line, and I was shocked, because I'm like, Army passes the ball nine times a game, and our quarterback barely outplayed the Army quarterback. Yeah. Yeah, just... And like I said, fourteen point spread. You need to get a you have a get right game kind of where you know kind of taking a game out of uh, conference play. Get right should be able to run that thing up. Get yourself confident against Purdue then Iowa because you have a gauntlet coming up. You've got a ranked Iowa or Purdue team. You've got an Iowa team that up until this weekend was a top five team in the country ranking wise. Well, I was about to say, I don't know, I don't know about that. Ranking wise, they were. They were they're not two. in the same class as Alabama. No, they're not. But they were ranked number two. And then, just yeah, I, I don't, I don't feel confident because then you got Rutgers, who's kind of in the same boat you are. Northwestern, Always Nebraska, Minnesota. Game. So, that's the Big Ten. That's our kind of impromptu badge report. And with that, uh, Ramsey's Radar. Ramsey, you got anything for predictions this week? Predictions this week. I kind of talked about it earlier with the Dak Prescott stuff, I guess. Um, I don't even know. I'm I'm sorry. I didn't prepare for the Ramsey Radar. I'm going to make a bold kind of prediction. And in football-wise, so here we kind of talk about it every week and it was a running gag on the show to talk, talk shit about Baker Mayfield. Baker Mayfield and the Browns are hosting the 3-3 three and three Broncos on Thursday Night Football this week. Browns are right now favored by 3.5. I am going to predict that Baker Mayfield, with his separated shoulder, if he plays, which that's kind of 50-50 right now, he says he's going to. We don't know. You know, Team doctors may hold him out because of the short week. If Baker plays... I would say that I'm going to go on the limb that he has a great game. I don't want to throw out stats or anything like that. He's not. That's my, that's my bold prediction this week. My bold prediction is Baker's going to be trash on Thursday. Like, he's kind of been all season. So would you go Would you go on a limb to say that the Browns will lose that game? No. Because I've said it before. I think the Cleveland Browns are one of the most talented top-to-bottom rosters in the entire league. Even with their laundry list of injuries they have, I still think that team is one of the most talented teams in the league. And I don't think Denver's that all that special. So I think Cleveland's going to win. But Cleveland hasn't won a game yet this year that because Baker's played well. Even last week, he had, what, 285 yards, I believe? Against the Cardinals? or Against the Cardinals. Against the Cardinals. Pull it up. Pull up the Baker stats against Cardinals. 19-28, 234 yards, two touchdowns and a pick. So 234, one of those, I'm going to take out the Hail Mary play, okay. which was, what, 68 yards? Something like that, yeah. So he had 160 yards. Something like that, yeah. One and one. I mean, that's not, and I know the Arizona defense has been really good this year, mm-hmm. so that's not necessarily an indictment on Baker, but that's what he is. Mm-hmm. And when you put Baker next to contemporary quarterbacks, 
Baker has not Baker does not line up with the other quarterbacks who are currently in the league that are his contemporaries. See, I'm gonna go like I said. This is like the maybe the reason for my bold prediction. I would say statistically, he has a better game than that. I'd probably say over under three and a half touchdowns. I'd probably say three or four touchdowns. He has five on the year. Like I said, because when you consider he's not going to have a solid running back playing this week, it's going to be Duke Johnson leading the way. Okay, Duke, when's Duke last, was a stud. When's the last time Duke Johnson did anything worth mentioning on a podcast? We always kind of find one random player. Just like Vinny Testaverde? Vinny Testaverde. Last week it was Colt McCoy. Just so you know, we've hit Vinny Testaverde the last month. And I'm going to continue that topic of Vinny Testaverde <laughs> and how good he was. We always mention one random NFL player um, from from years past, uh, but this one, I guess, current NFL player, Duke Johnson is going to be the number one back for the Browns this weekend. Sure. I do not feel confident in that whatsoever. Don't we think that the Browns have one of the highest one of the highest ranked offensive lines in the league? Sure, but I also think that the running backs that they've had have helped out that lines, kind of, you know. Help that out as a whole, the situation. Like, I mean, you need to have a good line to make a good running back, but a good running back can make an average line look better. And I think they've had two between Chubb and Hunt, neither neither one of which are going to play this week. Okay. So I think Baker's going to have to try to sling it a little bit, and I think that the numbers will be better. I do think that they beat the Broncos. I would take Cleveland plus the three, if I mean that's what we're talking. Right. Because that's at home, correct? That will be at home. That's correct. Yeah. Give me Cleveland plus three. So with that, I guess we can kind of transition to the NFL world, or with the NFL world, transition to the Green Bay Packers, I should say. And the Green Bay Packers versus the Chicago Bears. Green Bay gets another win, goes up in that series by seven, and gave us this golden moment. That audio, courtesy of Fox Sports and Fox NFL, Aaron Rodgers owns the Chicago Bears, which statistically speaking, he has. Record-wise, he has. That's not up really up for debate. But what an incredible moment from one of the greater audio clips we're ever going to hear from in a hot mic on field. Just Aaron just yelling at fans. Who... I love how butthurt the Chicago Bears fans are about this, by the way, too. Just unreal level of butthurt. Just talking about how this should have been taunting because of the NFL's emphasis on taunting. Sure, it should have been. Who cares? It doesn't, that wouldn't have affected the game. And Olin Krutz, the great, you know, the, the lineman that was kind of like the, the, the lineman of the Chicago Bears for us growing up, wants to punch Aaron Rodgers in the face and, and just. Try it. David Bakhtiari will body slam your ass. Yeah, it's just what an incredible kind of, what, 48-plus hours that we've had since that game ended and in that moment and really kind of really speaks, and I'm glad, you know, kind of transitioning here with Aaron Rodgers. 
really kind of confirm. I I don't want to say he confirmed something that Ramsey and I have said for quite some time, but first of all, once again, kind of putting the, in my opinion, puts the critics of his doesn't have the effort this year to bed. That he doesn't care about this team to bed. I think. I mean, that's not something you say if if you're not all in. Uh, but really, like as I was going to mention here, one of the bigger takeaways outside of the Packers obviously getting a 24-14 win against Chicago in division is something that happened after the game in the press conference. And and Aaron Rodgers kind of hinting at the fact that he's probably not going anywhere this offseason. And the exact quote and the question, just because of all the, the national speculation about the future of Aaron Rodgers and, and the Green Bay Packers, the quote that he had said was that he you know he always talks about focusing on the moment focusing on this season and and seeing where the future will take him he did say after the game on like I said after the game on Sunday that he doesn't feel like this is the last time he's going to play in this rivalry the bears have their quarterback in Justin Fields you can kind of read the writing on the wall that this he doesn't feel like he's walking out of that stadium for the last time on Pat McAfee show today actually he kind of reiterated on that is that, yes, he's playing for it, but he kind of had that thought. He kind of talked about how in the, you know, pregame portion of, you know, how is this going to play out? How is it, you know, is this going to feel like, you know, finality to his last game in this, lo- you know, in the visitor locker room at Soldier Field? Part of this rival from the Green Bay Packers being in Chicago and, you know, everything else that kind of goes with it. And he said he was really curious on how he's going to feel about that after the game. And he said on Pat McAfee today that he was walking off the field and he just had that feeling that it's not going to be the last time. Well, I think we both agree on the fact that we think Aaron's coming back next year. Right. And I would very much agree with that, too. I think if he goes anywhere, it's going to be Pittsburgh. Pittsburgh makes sense. But I think that Aaron's having fun. And I know I questioned it for the, about the first two weeks, mm-hmm. where I was like, I'm not so sold on Aaron Rodgers actually being fully committed. Mm-hmm. However, I think since then, it's been nothing but Aaron being committed. Mm-hmm. And it looks like Aaron's just having fun. Yeah, and he, you know, and, and to kind of go with that, he did have a lot of things to say, and, and I'm not going to, you know, basically play you the whole interview because that's Pat McAfee Show's job. And you can check it out on YouTube after you listen to the show. Yeah, do not leave here for that. That's not anywhere as good as this. No, but odds are if you're you know if you listen to that show and you kind of know the deal that Aaron Rodgers Tuesday is, you probably either already heard it and you just you're kind of listening to us break it down, or if you're new to the Pat McAfee, uh, Pat the, that show is incredible. It, it's a lot like this, but slightly better. Slightly. Well, they show they say their show sucks too, so. They're, Ours is worse. It is worse. That, let's not get that mistaken. But I would say slightly better. But one other thing he talked about how um, in, you know, everyone has their narrative. And for the longest time, he wasn't one to, to go put these narratives to bed. And how he kind of talked about the transparency that he's had just through the Pat McAfee show of, you know, when he goes and talk, you know, focuses on himself throughout the offseason. And just kind of, sh- you know, turns out or turns off the outside world, it's selfish. It's this, that, and the other thing. And it doesn't you know, go into these narratives. Then when he got, goes and corrects the narratives, well, then he steps out of line and he's rude. He doesn't care about the team, blah, blah, blah. Whole thing. Um, 
so with that, he said it was kind of, you know, it's really kind of interesting to see, you know, what the outside world says and how that, you know, this really has played out with the, uh, even this weekend with the, I own you, I still own you, and how, again, like I said, the Chicago media got all butthurt about it, and all the Chicago fans got butthurt about it. Then keep them out of the end zone. It's pretty, pretty much. simple. Pretty much, but, you know, some really telling stuff in today's interview, talking about how, uh, you know, loves Green Bay. He actually did put the whole Pittsburgh, he brought up the joke of the whole Pittsburgh thing, because he was talking about, uh, Pat asked him about the play action fake because that's one of if you watch Aaron Rodgers, his play action fake is one of the best. I think it is the best. Uh, him or Tom Brady, and he the way he tucks the ball on the hip, like it's 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 what you're supposed to do. It's what you're supposed to do, but no one does it. Well, and it's the, he looks like a savvy veteran doing it too. He, because that's the other thing you need to understand when you're playing football like that that. There's a point where you realize how important it is to have do all those little things correct. Right. And that's where you see it from the really good quarterbacks in the league, Aaron Rodgers, Tom Brady, they do those extra small steps. Right. And like just and does it better like I said, just does it better than anyone else. He he's always good about kind of putting that, that off hand out like he's gonna hand off. Right. Has the ball tucked on his hip and shades his body so the defense can't see it and even Fools the camera, folks. Yeah, all, all the time. Uh, but with that, and I and I bring this up because you know he talked about how he learned that, and it was study from Alex Van Pelt, former quarterbacks coach and Pittsburgh native, and he kind of had some fun in the expense of the national media talking about the Pittsburgh uh, connections that he's, you know, he's like, oh yeah, you know, the headline's going to be uh, Aaron Rodgers and Pittsburgh native Pitt Panther girl, you know, Pitt Panther graduate. Uh, credits Pit Panther graduate for play action fake, shot at, and all that you know the whole Pittsburgh um, media kind of frenzy that's kind of happened since then. So he kind of had a little fun with that, and I kind of love that. And he kind of talked about how it's just people grasping for straws, but kind of putting that to bed too. So really, you know, like I said, if you get a chance, check it out after you get done with listening to this episode. It's out there on Spotify too. So while while you're here listening to this. After this is done, cue it up. You can even go to it right now as we're talking. Play next. Put in cue. Listen to us. Listen to it. I see. I think I kind of disagree with uh, people playing with straws on that. And he might say that, and I would agree with him for the most part. Like I said, I, I, I'm in the camp. I believe he's going to be back in Green Bay next year. Mm-hmm. If he's not, there's really only three teams that he can actually go to. And I would guess... One, if not two of those three, are going to draft a quarterback this year. Right. That being Denver, Miami, and Pittsburgh. Yeah. Every other team basically has either drafted a quarterback or is young enough a quarterback that... Well, that's kind of why I said even, even you know, because if, if you don't look at the writing on the wall and he talks about, oh, yeah, this is not going to be the last time I'm in this rivalry, well, you could just say, oh, well, he's going to go to Chicago and he'll be in the Packers-Bears rivalry then. But the Packers have to trade him. Well, the Packers have to trade him. And for what it's worth, the Bears aren't... You know, Justin Fields is good. He wasn't the better quarterback on Sunday. But there's going to be a lot of games this season where he is. I disagree with that. We can get in that when we get to the Bears stuff. But, like I said, Aaron Rodgers will not be traded within the NFC. No. He will get traded to the AFC. So, cut out half the teams to start. Yep. The rest of the AFC... Outside of what? Houston, Houston Miami. Miami. Because, I mean, Tua's looked awful. But this kind of goes back to the conversation. Tua played with, pretty well on Sunday. We kind of had this conversation with the whole Baker Mayfield conversation 
earlier in the episode, there's not a whole lot of teams that you're not, you know, Baker is a serviceable middle tier quarterback right now in the NFL. There was what, four teams, five teams we pointed out that would need a quarterback that is worse than Baker Mayfield or about the same, or, you know, you're kind of looking at the trajectory where say, you know, like with Trevor Lawrence, where you'd probably take Trevor Lawrence, you can have that conversation or Mac Jones, you can have that conversation of Baker Mayfield or not. But you're not going to turn down, you know, you have the face of your potential face of your future franchise with Mac Jones, Zach Wilson, Jerry's still out on them too. Um, you know, Lamar Jackson, Mahomes, et cetera, aren't going anywhere. So really Denver, Houston, Miami. Pittsburgh. Pittsburgh. And of that, you know, Miami, not really in a position to trade for a quarterback. I think Miami is going to give two of the rest of this year and next year. Yeah, probably. So I think two. I think Miami's out. I think Deshaun Watson will be back sooner than later. We got to remember he's still a potential trade candidate too because he still wants nothing to do with Houston as a whole. So, so but anyways, they're not Houston doesn't have the capital to get Aaron Rodgers anyways. Right. So you're basically left with Denver and Pittsburgh. Right. And I don't see, I, again, even those two, I would say Pittsburgh makes the most sense. However, well, neither one of them are going to give up what it takes to get Aaron Rodgers. And, and here's the kind of the flip side with that, too. Would they give it up? Sure. But to get Aaron Rodgers, even, I mean, you're going to have to have a high round draft pick or high first round draft pick. Those two are teams right now that are going to probably middle tier, probably 15, 16. You're not going to want to try that draft pack in the first place anyway. Right. There's not going to be a team out there that's going to have the capital to get them. Because we've talked about this even in over the offseason. Aaron Russell Wilson, Deshaun Watson, they're worth what? Three to five first round picks? Right. And no team's going to give up that much for a 39-year-old quarterback. No. And that's... The best, I guess, possibility of him playing outside of Green Bay, aside from the trade prospects, would be he's got the voided contract, where, which ends after next year if he doesn't get traded. By that time, he's going to be 40 years old and probably in a position where, I mean, just if you listen to him, this offseason, it was never Green or, you know, don't want to play in Green Bay. It was, do I want to actually play football? Right. Or not. It was never. And this is kind of the whole Adam Sheffer thing and how everything's kind of played out with that, where the sources were other GMs not within the Packers camp and not within Aaron Rodgers' camp. It was scouts, GMs, and agents who had conversations and trying to speculate, um, which, again, whole other conversation. Not going to go down that rabbit hole today, um, aside from the little bit that we've mentioned it twice in the episode now. But, yeah, I mean... Like I said, plenty of stuff to point to in positives of the future of, of Rodgers and the and the Green Bay Packers. But let's look at them now. Uh, big win against the Bears. Right. Puts them really, I mean, for all intents and purposes, three games up on the division. Right. Between the two wins against Chicago and Detroit. Uh, Matt LaFleur, the first ever coach to win in the division era, the Super Bowl era. First coach to win seven, their first seven road games in division. I'd hope so, though. I would, too. But just kind of another talking point that comes out of that game. The NFC North might be the worst division in football. I would say the AFC East. And the NFC East, for that matter. They're right there, though. I mean, the, the NFC North is not a good division. 
And it's it's so weird that it's not, you know. And we we can talk about this now because I know you wanted to mention come kind of come back to this. The Vikings probably should be better. Granted, they're way overpaying their quarterback. Well, and that's but you have two service. You know, you have a very good running back in Dalvin Cook. You have a very sad or serviceable backup who can fill in the roles when he's out in Alexander Madison. You have Justin Jefferson. You have Adam Thielen as wide receivers. You still have a pretty good defensive core as a whole. Nothing like, you know, what they used to be probably five, six years ago. They've really kind of kept that group intact as a whole, but... The Vikings are just aggressively average. That's all yeah, they are. pretty much. Nine Point and boy. seven, eight and eight, seven and nine. Maybe a ten-win team after the playoffs. Maybe. Well, especially with the expanded playoff, they very well could get hot at the end of the year and and kind of fall into that seventh or sixth playoff spot. The Lions are a mess. The Lions are a mess, and that's just... I mean, it's it's not baffling, but it's kind of baffling, too. Think about the Lions as well. At least they play hard. They seem to play hard every single week. They are better. I would say that they are better than what their record entails at 0-6. Someone has to be the worst in the league, though. It's them, the Jets, Houston. That's the thing, though. Like, it, For the last, what, let's say five years. I mean, we could probably go back 10 for two of these examples, but as a whole, it's not like the Jets and the Lions since 2011, like I said, 10 years. The Jets and the Lions have maybe had one or two good years in that stretch yeah. where they've been even borderline relevant. And it's just it's amazing to me, especially with how much better college football is right now, too, with the athletes that are going through the college football systems, that you just don't see any turnaround in those two teams. Because you look at, like, you look at, let's say, Cleveland. Cleveland had a ton of draft picks. They finally didn't mess all of them up. They've got Miles Garrett. They've got Baker Mayfield, which again, take what you will. They've been able to trade for assets like OBJ, Jarvis Landry, etc. You've had pretty good. You've developed Nick Chubb. You were able to sign Kareem Hunt for, well, that's another conversation, but let's not go down that rabbit hole too far. But you still Is were... he the one that beat up his girlfriend? Yeah, yeah. one of the guys that did. Um, but again... Did Ray Rice draft? Uh, yeah... But they were, you know, they were able to bring in another, t- you know, they have two probably the best running backs in football. You have well, a very good offensive line. You have a pretty stout defense at this point. But Cleveland didn't get to that point, though, until they got the general manager, right? And the general manager got the coach, right? So right. at this point in Detroit, we've had failed experiment after failed experiment after failed experiment after failed experiment. Well, this really kind of even stems out to... Moving on from Jim Caldwell for some reason, who was the only guy to even get them to the playoffs since Barry Sanders has been Who was really stable, right? Jim Caldwell was stable. You were kind of in that same kind of category of that we're just talking about the Vikings right now of, well, it'd be like 9 and 8 right now, but it was 9 and 7, sometimes 10 and 6, 8 and 8, 7 and 9. Outside playoffs. 8 and 8, 9 and 7, something like that. You had Kelvin Johnson, who you wasted. You had Matt Stafford's... Matt Stafford's early slash early prime years, who's showing, I mean, he's showing kind of the, some of the signs where you didn't always win games with Matthew Stafford, but you're seeing a lot of what he offered when he had weapons. You had good years with Marvin Jones. You had, at one point, I, be, I, don't know, I don't know the exact timing. This might not even all line up. 
But if I'm not mistaken, at one point you had Golden Tate, Marvin Jones, and Calvin, Calvin Johnson on the sideline at the same time. Yeah. And maybe maybe it was just Marvin Jones and Calvin, and Johnson. Calvin Johnson, or maybe it was just Marvin Jones and Golden, Tate. and Golden Tate. But those are two very good wide receivers. Not Hall of Fame guys by any means, but very good pros. And just the fact that they could never really truthfully get it right is just baffling. Shocker, Kevin Durant's injured again. Kevin Durant's flopping again. But, so yeah, so I mean, and then Chicago, I mean. I'm not, even Chicago, I don't get, because I think Matt Nagy is in my, I think he's the best coach in the division. Jury's still out on the floor. I mean, we talked about this before, but Jury's still kind of out on the floor. We'll see what happens with that, but over the next couple oh, years here. But Like I said, in my opinion, I think Matt Nagy today is a better head coach than Matt LaFleur. He's definitely better than Mike Zimmer, and he's definitely better than whatever psychopath Detroit puts out now. Dan Campbell. Motor City Dan Campbell. The trying Motor to eat City people's knees, Trying to eat people's knees and then cry, wants to have a lion on the field and cries after a loss in the regular season. Just psychopath. Love Dan Campbell. I honestly I'm surprised it hasn't crashed and burned yet. Well that's I I mean he still has the entire locker room on his set. Like I mean, you get a guy who's that energetic, that high, you know, that high wound and stuff like that. And just the fact that it hasn't, you know, they're 0-6 right now. I I mean they've had a couple close games. They had a really close game against Minnesota that they lose in a last second field goal. I think their Arizona game was even pretty close. They played Green Bay tight. They kind of came back a little on uh, San Francisco. Yeah, it's it's just it's it's amazing that they are sitting here at zero and six right now. I mean, you look at forty one thirty three, like you said, the loss to the Niners. They ended up getting blown out by the Packers, but that was a game where they realistically they had up until half they had a lead yeah. at halftime. They played them tight. They lose to the Ravens by two, nineteen to seventeen. They lose to the Bears twenty four fourteen. Had opportunities in that game. Lose on a last second field goal nineteen seventeen to the Vikings, and then get killed by Joe Burrow and company this weekend. But that Bengals team is a lot better than people say right now, too. That Bengals team is actually really good. But that's a borderline playoff team. But as a whole, I mean, NFC North runs through Green Bay. It will for at least this year. And as of right now, like I said, as I was looking at the standings here ahead of this week's, you know, week seven games, Green Bay has a pretty sizable chunk. I mean, it's them at five and one, and then Minnesota at three and three, Chicago at three and three with a head to head loss, and then uh, Detroit at 0 and six. So pretty easy run. And again, a big win when you can pick one up in the division again um, on the road. Really, I mean, not not a really thrilling game outside of the the audio clip we played earlier. It was a traditional, kind of slow, grinded out win against the NFC North foe, but got the job done. Um, once again, you know, I, one thing I want to touch on, kind of my my biggest takeaway of that game, and I know I've been very critical of the front office as a whole, especially how they've handled superstars and stars like Aaron Rodgers, and you know how it seems like at times they can maybe not taking that next step to win a Super Bowl by, you know, bringing in somebody big or being content with Kevin King as your second string corner, this, that, and the other thing. They have built up a very, I mean, 
one of our biggest criticisms, but also kind of right now, as I'm going to say, it's a very big positive, is they build, they build up a very good, not great team as a whole. Their talent evaluations, you know, you don't really see a whole lot of misses on their side, like where it's just a complete miss. I think the last really miss that they have would uh, be what? Any of the, probably Jamon Moore, who's like a fifth-round draft pick as a wide receiver. Rashawn Gary. I'm not even sure you can say he's a miss right now. He's, he's a, played big lately. Yeah, but he was drafted 13th overall. Sure. That's a miss. But, Especially when there's more talented more talented individuals on the draft board and you didn't necessarily need a defensive lineman. At this point, I would say Jordan Love is a miss, not because Jordan Love's not talented, but again, it's the same situation of there was more talented people on the board. And if anyone wants to defend the Jordan Love pick, that's fine. I get it. Because like, you're not wrong. Even moving forward, Jordan Love, I think it's going to be a... I think it's a ceiling of Dak Prescott, right? Where Dak Prescott is, I think that mm-hmm. could be Jordan Love. He has that same kind of build, same side, kind of... Um, I think he's underestimated for athletic ability. Right. I think that he can, he's going to make plays, and Green Bay's going to play a talented enough team around him. But even the Jordan Love pick, you're going to say that there was better talent available at that point that helped. Well, you there out. was there was win now talent on the board at that point. I think that's the biggest takeaway. And who was that tight end we drafted with the third overall pick? Third round pick, uh, Sternberger. A couple that, years back. Right, not on the team anymore. Right. The other tight end, the black one from Cincinnati. Uh, Deguara, who had a couple catches this last week. But he would, I say again, would probably be a bust. He's. Can you really consider a third round pick as a bust? Yeah. If they're still on the roster and playing in their second year and starting. But playing pretty minuscule minutes behind Mercedes Lewis and... Yeah, but he's a totally different role than either of those guys do, too. Right, but again, I'm going to go back to the same thing I was saying. There was more talent on the board at other positions that you probably needed more. Sure. But ultimately, my point here is that they've built a pretty good roster... In the fact that you look at the depth issues that they're having right now. Right now, you know, this last week against the Bears, and granted, you didn't necessarily need it given who your opponent was, but your first round pick, Eric Stokes, is your number one corner this weekend. You had Isaac Yadam playing as your second string corner, and a guy you brought on off the streets, basically, Russell Douglas, who is an NFL caliber player, has started. You played a lot of minutes for the Panthers in the last couple, you know, a lot of games for the Panthers and, and whatnot over the last couple of years, but. Your depth at corner was limited. Your depth at your pass rusher, you've got Preston Smith who's been injured on and off. Rashawn Gary who's, I think he's better than what his numbers have said. I, I would agree. Again, though, when you're drafted 13th, you're not, you shouldn't be a project. And I know they drafted him because of that. There was just more talented players on the board at that point. And then you look at, I mean, Jair Alexander hasn't played in two weeks probably. You know, we don't even know what the status of him is right now. You look at, you know, what the situation with, I mean, really your safeties. I mean, Darnell Savage got hurt again this week. You look at the makeshift work of the offensive linemen right now where David Bakhtiari coming back to practice this week, which is awesome. Don't know what his his timetable on playing is. I know we talked about that a little bit last week, but uh, he returns to practice this week and being a participant in practice instead of the rehab group. You look at, you know, like I said, the, just kind of the patchwork of, Josh Myers goes down early against the Bears. It's put Lucas Patrick in off the bench and play, you know, go right into it. I mean, outside of a couple of plays, you really didn't hear much from Khalil Mack this last game or 
uh, Quinn on the no. other side. So you've had good play out of your tackles between Billy Turner, probably the un- and Aaron Rodgers pointed this out in his interview today, but kind of the unsung hero of this offensive line right now. You've had Yash Neiman, uh, Royce Newman, who I talked about a little bit last week, just for he was the guest on Elton Jenkins radio show uh, last week. So you've had inc- John Runyon, another guy who Runyon. came out to play last week. I was really impressed with him against the yeah. Bears. But you've gotten really big playing out of guys who are probably second, third string guys on your team who probably would, st- and they're in position to start right now because it's next man up in the NFL, but would start on a lot of other NFL teams but are, like I said, right now, second, third tier guys. Well, and it helps when you have Aaron Rodgers being a quarterback. It does. And that's what I'm saying. I think the Packers are, they are a playoff team, 100%. I think they're a Super Bowl contender. And like I've said before, I, I truly believe at this point there's probably only half dozen teams that are probably even in that conversation. And that's okay. So we just got to get everyone healthy, play good. I mean, I, the Bears are not a good team. And I really don't think Justin Fields is that great of a prospect even. No? There's stuff that I would say I liked about Justin Fields. But I don't know if he's sustainable in Chicago without getting pieces around him. And he looks like he's over his skis. And that's not to say Zach Wilson hasn't this year. Trevor Lawrence definitely has. There's been moments where Mac Jones has. Mm -hmm. But Justin Fields looked over his skis the entire game. Where I saw Trevor Lawrence lead a game-winning drive. Right. With a worse roster. And you see, I mean, granted, Justin Fields didn't start playing off the season like like Wilson did or like Mac Jones did or like Lawrence did. And so you're seeing growth in those guys through six weeks. Right. So Justin Fields, what, three weeks behind the eight ball kind of, if for, if you will? I mean, give or take probably. So, I mean, it's really going to be an interesting conversation having, you know, as the season kind of goes on here as to where each of these guys are at the end of the year. I think Justin Fields is going to fail just because he plays for Chicago. Not because he's a bad prospect, not because he's a bad talent. I just don't – I have zero confidence Chicago can get that offensive side of the ball correct. And that's kind of one of the really telling things, too, as we're talking about, you know, just as the, how the teams kind of go in the NFC North. And it really kind of makes the, the decision to draft Justin Fields really interesting because Justin Fields is enough of an athlete where he can cover up some of the – the things that, you know, some of these gaps here. But as a whole, I mean, when you're taking a player, and granted, there's guys, you know, you, if you're Jacksonville, you can't, you're not going to not take Trevor Lawrence. That's just the reality of the situation. Right. But when you're in a team that Chicago was a playoff team last year. Right. Barely, but they were. They've been a playoff team two out of the last four years. Right. And I maybe mean, I don't think they were other years besides that, but they've been in the conversation. So when you're a team like that and you're kind of knocking on that door, you have elite t- talent on the defense between Khalil Mack and Eddie Jackson's a pretty good safety. You have Quinn up in the front. You've had Trevathan. Roquan Smith. Roquan Smith. Stud. You've got talent on that defense. You've got Allen Robinson, who's been a very good wide receiver for you. David Montgomery has played pretty good for you as a running yep. back when he's healthy. You've had you've always kind of had a pretty solid tight end on that offense too. Right now it's Cole Komet. 
But you've had guys who've been kind of a rotating door through there who've been pretty good for two or three year stints. So when you look at where you are as a team to kind of draft a quarterback who doesn't match your offensive philosophy of Matt Nagy, who doesn't fit, I mean, kind of where you are at that point, you kind of have to take what you can get when you're drafting 15th, 16th overall, and you trade up to get that guy. But it's, just, it's really baffling. Well, and I think that we've kind of got to the point in the league where we've said it before that really, for the most part, every draft class has about two to three guys that are going to succeed. Mm-hmm. Trevor Lawrence will succeed in Jacksonville. Trevor Lawrence is succeeding now with all the talk about Urban Meyer floating around with not having an offensive line really in front of him, with having some of his best weapons are currently out on injury. Trevor Lawrence will succeed. I don't know if it happens in Jacksonville, but Trevor Lawrence will succeed as an NFL quarterback at some point or another. Right. Mac Jones, as much as I'm not necessarily a fan of Mac Jones, I think Mac Jones is a lot closer to Kirk, Baker, than he is Aaron and Patrick Mahomes. Mm-hmm. So I think Max ceiling is probably top 13, 14, probably in the league. Yeah. But he got put in the best situation. New England's Undoubtedly, gonna, yeah. New England will succeed regardless of who their quarterback is. And the other one I, that's going to succeed just because he's got put in a really good situation is probably... Um, Trey Lance. Trey Lance out in San Francisco. And even right now, I mean, granted, rookie year... A lot of injuries, and he kind of got banged up himself. But the jury's still really out on him as a whole, too. Zach Wilson will fail because he's a Jet. Right. And that's another organization that hasn't gotten it right since the early years of Mark Sanchez. The first two years where they went back-to-back AFC championship games. Well, that wasn't even Mark Sanchez, though. That was those Jet defenses and being able to run the ball. Right. And that's what I'm saying is that they have failed time and time again since that point. Mark Sanchez is a freaking analyst now. Right. And that's the last time they were relevant. The last time, well, I shouldn't say that because they, they did have the butt fumble, which is hilarious. But That was also Sanchez, though. It was Sanchez. So they've had, you know, they've had relevant moments, not necessarily for good things, but they've had relevant moments. Um, but yeah, so just, I mean, he won't succeed. That's just the reality of the situation. And then jury's out on Justin Fields. I mean, I could see them, you know, depending on what happens with Green Bay, I mean, Minnesota's probably going to need a quarterback in two seasons. Not this offseason, but maybe. Can you believe they're still paying Kirk Cousins? That is a... Kirk Cousins' agent is criminal. Just, whoever that agent is, we got to get to do our show. I want to be my agent. Like, I was going to say, just make us a bunch of money for being garbage. Yeah. Aggressively average quarterback. Fully guaranteed contract. Incredible. Good for that guy. But anyway, so to kind of just look forward here. Uh, Packers, Washington football team this week. Should be a win, right? Packers I mean, are a nine and a half favorite at home. That makes me nervous. I don't like that considering that you're looking at a, you know, it's a noon kick on Sunday. I'm and you've got a short week coming up to play Arizona the following yeah, week. I'm was six and oh. Staying the hell away from that game. Everything on paper says that that game should play out to Green Bay's favor uh, to the point where. I mean, realistically, that should be a cover, or at least close to. If I had to put money on it, I probably wouldn't because I, I don't feel comfortable betting 10 points in the NFL. 
if I had to put money, I'm putting it on the football team. To cover. To cover the 10 points. Because I'm sure you can find it's what, open at 9.5, said? 9.5 right now, as we sit here and speak. So you can probably get it at even 10 places? You probably can. Uh, money line right now on Green Bay, minus 440. So should be a pretty easy win. I don't want to, to speak that and have Justin be able to come back, oh, jinx, jinx, whatever. Bunch of bullshit that he was spewing last week. So was Zach. Zach was on you about the jinx on the old Facebook. Yeah, yeah, whatever. It is what it is. But people are going to hate. Like I said, my, my track record speaks for itself. I'm not too worried about I it. I mean, you kind of did jinx the Brewers. The Brewers jinx the Brewers. I didn't do shit. I think that was uh, Craig Council. Yeah. By not playing the starters down the stretch. I don't think it mattered because in the games that they did, they still weren't doing hot either because they had to clinch a division that came down at the second to last weekend of the series of the season and when they probably should have clinched earlier. But again, I digress. Um, Different, different. Poor episode. Eric. He's gonna get the wound reopened every fucking week from uh, here till Christmas. Probably, but at, just also for what it's worth, um, against the spread, the Packers are actually five and one against the spread this season. So they've covered every single game except the one that they lost. Man, I just, I don't, I just don't feel confident as a one as a nine and a half point favorite. I feel confident the Green Bay is gonna win that game. If we're wagering on the NFL, yeah. Ten points is a lot. That's it, a lot to give anybody. Like I said, I, I feel confident that Green Bay is going to win that game and win it big. So do I. I, I feel Green Bay will win that game. I just don't know if I say ten and a half or nine and a half points though. Like I don't feel confident putting money on that. Seven and a half? If it was seven and a half, I would bet that spread and if they win by ten. I mean, they beat the Bears by ten. So I mean that's really Kind of what you have to do, but it's, it's as much as you don't have it in the NFL per se, it's the closest thing to a trap game you're going to see in the NFL. Oh yeah, especially with the short week coming up against uh, Arizona. Arizona looking forward. So sure, possibility of that little bit of a trap game. Don't necessarily see it happening, but I would I would say you know if if you're going to bet that game, go with the Packers money line. Probably I, I wouldn't play with the point spread. I agree. So keys to victory. I mean, really, key to victory this week is just do your thing. Take care of business at home. or Take care of business at home, a game you're supposed to win. Don't make it dicey like they have in the past. I mean, you look at like the Jacksonville game last year. It's one that really sticks out to mind of just kind of a, you know, I don't know exactly what the weather's supposed to be on Sunday. Um, I think it's supposed to be rain late, so it should be sunny. Let me take a look here. High of 54, cloudy. Kind of a fall Wisconsin day, mid mid October. Weather should not play a factor on Sunday. So just one of those games that in the past maybe you do see them um, kind of slip that away. But again, nine and a half point favorite, stay away. But still, just go execute. You just have to take care of business at home. If you're if you're looking for some monkey knife fight, I'd probably. I mean, really, I would probably go McLaurin, Devontae. Aaron Jones, I think that's pretty safe. Um, three? Yeah, you pick three. And I'd probably go with two, probably the two and a half touchdowns. Yep. I'm going to do that right now as we speak. So as we speak here also, Bucks get the win 127-104 over the Nets. Uh, Giannis led the way with 32 points, 12-25 shooting. Uh, on par with Kevin Durant, who had 13-25 shooting. Uh, Giannis seven of nine from free throws. Kevin Durant three of six from free throw line. 
so as a whole, I mean that's that's the Bucks game kind of wrapping it up, and you'll obviously you'll probably see that tomorrow. Uh, really, the big thing with the Bucks, though, and kind of one thing I was kind of looking to see is Grayson Allen got the start tonight. Ten points for Grayson Allen as a starter. He was only three of ten, but I think I saw all three shots that went in. I, I think I did too. Like I mean, like I said, just a solid addition. I like that addition a lot. Um, Drew Bled or Drew Holiday, excuse me, not Drew Bledsoe. Drew Bledsoe, random quarterback of the episode. Drew Bledsoe, the predecessor of the Tom TV Brady, 12. and played the Packers in Super Bowl thirty-one. He was also the predecessor to Tony Romo. Huh? Would you look at that? <laughs> predecessor of Dak Prescott, another tie of the episode. Excellent work, Ramsey. I'm so proud of look you. Look at that. And it really was my my Drew Bledsoe the. Um, Supposedly, people say he was a stud back in the day. Like, he was at times. Like, supposedly, that was the... At times, Drew Bledsoe was really good. He had cannon, supposedly. One of those guys a little ahead of his time. But, yeah, anyway, so Drew Holiday did get uh, hurt early in the game, but big win for the Bucks um, as we speak here, and as you'll probably see in the headlines tomorrow and as tonight as we record here. And then with that, I guess we can kind of wrap up the episode as we usually do. Uh, what are we rooting for this week, Ramsey? Why don't you go first? A little bit of NASCAR talk, a little bit of uh, guys are heading out to Kansas. Yep. Should be. Kansas is never necessarily a great race, so unless you're a NASCAR fan, I probably wouldn't pay all that much attention to it. Mm-hmm. That's not the one that uh, casual fans are going to want to watch. Right. But it should be entertaining if you are a NASCAR fan. Uh, Chase Elliott kind of needs to get something going. Obviously, Denny Hamlin needs to get something going. And then you have kind of two guys towards the bottom that are kind of hungry just for wins with Martin Trucks Jr. and Joy Logano. Mm-hmm. And Brad Kozlowski is kind of in that same boat. Um, and you're going to have three guys kind of looking to protect their lead and get to Martinsville. So kind of it's going to be very telling to see what happens to those bottom four. They can either make a lot of ground or lose a lot of ground, and it's not going to matter. See here, so. no. So here's my question, because it really doesn't matter. He's locked in the final, the final race now. If you're Kyle Larson, what are you doing? Doesn't matter. You hanging out and seeing what you can do up front, or I'm trying to just win, turn laps, and just kind of get through. No, and... I think he's going to bust ass to try to win. He has nothing to lose. True. 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 So also, just to kind of tie in what we were kind of talking about here earlier, um, right now my picks for the. Touchdown dance contest. I'm going to do uh, two and a half touchdowns with a buy. It's a times four multiplier. So I'm going to buy in five dollars. Nice. Could come home with twenty with McLaurin, Devonte Adams, Aaron Jones. So basically, need either two scores from one of them and then one from one of the other ones. Or I won't mind Devonte Adams through touchdown game. I got him on my fantasy team who had just won their second game of the season. Yeah, nice. Coming back. The fan club. The fan club is coming back to take take back what's rightfully ours, the top spot in the Roof Wisconsin Fantasy Football League. You know who's sitting at the top spot in the fantasy Eric league? Eric is. Dude, sitting at five and one right now. So can we talk about one second about the fantasy league? Yeah, well why don't we why don't we just kind of mention our, our standings right now? How trash is that other division? Oh yeah. You guys are a bunch of bums sitting down there in the whatever division that is. Your leader's what, three and three? There's two leaders in that in that division, so let's let's go through this. Bunch of bums. Because um, I'm sure our listeners, if they haven't already tuned out, they won't tune out for this part because the episode's almost over. Uh, 
in our division, the East Division, which is just based randomly on all the where stallions you play, are in the East. I'm sitting up top, top team in the division, five and one, feeling pretty good. And then at second place is Team Tornator at four and two. Tied with him is Team Fifield four and two. Took a loss this week to, to the fan Shauna. club. No, no, Fifield beat me. Shauna beat Jordan this week. Um, in in fourth place technically, which would lead the other division, three and three for Tyson Halla, and then the fan club for Ramsey sitting at two and four. But again, two solid weeks. I mean, Ramsey, your points for. Kind of starting to turn around a little bit. You're at 735 points for... I still have the most points against by 30. No, you don't anymore. Um, Justin has is only four points behind you. So that's that's the east. And then in the west, we got uh, Zach, the Lambeau chef. Sedan, three and three. Shauna, three and three. Team Moeller, two and four. Stale Cracker, Jordan Fields, two and four. And then coaches as kickers. Justin's team at two and four. Just... Here's here's what's so telling though. So your team, Ramsey, sitting at two and four, seven hundred thirty-five points for, eight hundred thirty-four points against. You've won your last two. Justin's team has six hundred sixty points for, eight hundred thirty points given up. Justin is by far by almost or by thirty points from Shauna's points for, but then from that is almost a hundred points off the pace of points for. That's incredible. He's just trash, I guess. I have almost given up as a whole. Points allowed, I have given up a 636, which actually paces our, our league right now, knock on wood. Justin has almost given, or has almost, and it's not like, you know, it's not like you're actually playing defense, but Justin's team has almost scored more points than I've given up all season. Or has barely given up, or has barely scored more points than I've given up all season. That's hilarious. It's gonna be okay, Justin. We'll get you through it. Well, do you remember how? And and I know he, I, I know he's just talking shit. But beginning of the season, he was like, "Oh, I'm just gonna auto draft because I don't want to beat you guys too bad." Maybe you should. And then he joins the draft halfway through, talks about his his awesome team and and this that and the other thing. Maybe you should have joined in that conversation a little bit earlier, Justin. Maybe you are kind of getting wiped around the board a little bit here, Justin. A little bit. That's coming from the guy who's at the bottom of the league completely. I, I technically speaking, you would be over Justin right now on with your two, points for on a two win. Your points for I think will put you in eighth out of the ten. Let's go. So, yeah, Justin, you got to really figure that out, buddy. Too bad I can't play in the trash division. Right. I, I mean, I'm I'm feeling pretty good where I'm at right now, but that is what it is. So, what I'm going to root for this week? Um, let's see. I guess I'll pick. I mean, I really don't want to pick the Packers here because it's it is you know it's so easy to. I'm gonna root for the Badgers to kind of bounce back and maybe cover a game this year because they haven't done shit for covering, except two games this year. I think they've covered. They've been favorites in almost every single game they played, and and like I said, they covered against uh, Eastern Michigan. They covered against Illinois, but that's really about it. So please, Badgers, if you're gonna, especially because Ramsey and I are gonna be down there in two weeks. For the love of God, would you just take the three points, maybe show something on offense so that I don't dread going to the game in two weeks against Iowa? That's my ask. That's what I'm rooting for. I, I don't think you're going to get it. The Badgers just ask. I know, I know. But it will be fun in two weeks. If I, I saw where our tickets are. It's going to be a good time. I'm about it. We're going to have a great weekend down there. A great find a, I'll find a couple uh, beverages. 
We'll have to bring them before because they don't sell alcohol in Camp Randall. So we'll have to go down there nice and early, party it up a little bit, then go to the How game. many flasks are I bringing? Legally speaking, none, but I mean, I'm sure it's been done before. Just get one of those bodysuits just to fill it full of like <laughs> Jack Daniels. Oh boy. So if you don't hear back from Ramsey in like two weeks, you'll know what happened. Yeah. So that's Camp Ridge. Randall Jail. <laughs> that's Roots for Wisconsin Show. Episode number 45 is in the books. For Justin, who didn't join us this week because of some other obligations, Ramsey, I'm Eric, signing off. Episode 45 in the books. We're out of here. See ya. Bye.